Give somebody a, a fist bump and grab a seat. Say hello. You can say hello. Give them a fist bump. Grab a seat. Great to celebrate them together. Come on. Come on. It's great to uh, be here. If you've not met me, my name's Dean, one of the pastors here, and it's great to have you here as we just celebrate this God who is bigger and greater than all things. Bigger and greater than all things. In fact, we're in a series right now called The Pursuit of God. And this is our second week. And, and this series, the whole idea of pursuing God is a recognition that this is the greatest pursuit that there is. This is the greatest journey to go on, quest to set out on, the greatest pursuit in all of life that, that we believe humans can give themselves to is to pursue God. To know both that, that, he is, that, that we can both find him, begin to know who he is, and yet at the same time know we must always give ourselves to continually pursuing him, knowing he is always so much bigger, so much greater, and there's more of him to know. You know, one of the phrases that uh, has probably shaped Western culture, civilization, more than, more than many others over the last couple hundred years is the, the phrase, the pursuit of happiness. You know, are you familiar with this phrase? Uh, it comes from the Declaration of Independence. You know, a couple hundred years ago, the British colonists, they'd set out to a new land, and they were declaring their independence from, from England, saying, and, and, and in that Declaration of Independence, they said, you know, we believe there are these certain truths that are just, they're just, they are, these inalienable rights that people just have. And they said, these rights that are just given to every person everywhere, life, liberty, freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's such an interesting phrase, you know, the pursuit of happiness. For much of the last couple hundred years, probably that defines what has been the greatest pursuit for many people living in the Western world of the last couple hundred years. Interesting thing about that phrase, the, the story goes that the original wording was life, liberty, and property. That what they were trying to declare was, you know, they want the right to be able to have property, to kind of carve out a piece of this world that that's for me and and hands off, and, and every person should have the right to property. But apparently Benjamin Franklin convinced Thomas Jefferson that a better phrase would be life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Which is probably good, because I'm not sure Will Smith would have made a movie <laughs> called The Pursuit of Property. You know, <laughs> The story of one guy who finds redemption through materialism. Oh wait, that was what that movie was about. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, too close to home, sorry. Um, <laughs> But the interesting thing is, this kind of subtle distinction for most of us, if we don't always think about it, we kind of live, we live, you know, you talk about the fish that swims in water and sometimes can't even see what's around it. We live, that's the water we live in, that the pursuit of happiness is just a click away from the pursuit of property, from the pursuit of how can I carve out a life for myself? From the pursuit of if I just had a, a job and if I just had the, the right job where I could bring the right income and build the right kind of little private. If I could just have a piece of this world to call my own and if I just had the right things going into my super and if I just owned enough of the right things, then I would find it's just a short click. Happiness. To the point where you could almost ask, is there really much difference in the way we frame those two things? Imagine the person you met whose pursuit of happiness did not include at some level trying to think about kind of their financial future and these kinds of things. Now, I'm not here to say that those pursuits are inherently bad. But what I will say is this. They definitely can be 
And in fact, what I would suggest is sometimes they are, they're almost a subtle corruption of something God has intended for our lives. Because whether we realize it or not, the water we swim in pushes us to pursue happiness. However you want to frame that. When in fact, what we would suggest is the only great pursuit that will actually lead you to the destination all of us were created for is not the pursuit of happiness, but the pursuit of God. And we started last week talking about this idea of Abraham, how God had said to him, I want you to leave everything. I want you to leave your, your culture, your nation, your people, your friends. I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to leave everything you've known, and I want you to come follow me. I want you to give up every other pursuit and come pursue me instead. And I'll show you. I'm going to take you to a land. You don't even know where it is yet, but I'm going to take you there. I want you to pursue me. And Abraham goes off the grid, turns his back on everything that kind of his world was telling him to pursue. And he makes this incredible choice to begin to pursue God. And today we're going to talk about how this kind of begins to impact and influence every dimension of our lives. See, as God speaks to Abraham, he, he says to him this. He says, I want you to leave all those things. And we're going to pick up the second half of how God starts to unpack this journey he's calling him on. He tells him, this is, this is what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to make you. God, God's speaking to him still. So you're going to go to this land. You don't even know it. You're just going to come follow me. He says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I'll curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God is saying, Abraham, come follow me. And now he's going to begin to speak to him about, and this is what we're going to talk about today, that the pursuit of God, when you make that your core pursuit in life, the pursuit of God will always bring you back to your true purpose in life. This is the interesting thing about the pursuit of happiness. You can chase it. You can go after it. But it will always actually take you away. From your core pursuit in life, your core purpose. And you'll never actually find kind of that other side of the rainbow you've been looking for. But when we pursue God, we get brought back into alignment with our true purpose. Look at these verses again for a moment, verses 2 and 3. One of the interesting things here, and this is where what, what you're going to see happen is that when God is talking to Abraham, he's beginning to almost reverse everything. Uh, it's like the, the world is headed in one direction, and God's going to say, no, we're going to reverse this. It's going to go in another. Here's what I'm talking about. You see, what God says, if you will come follow me, if you'll come pursue me, if you'll leave everything and come follow me, then here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make you into a great nation. You've got to leave the nation you came from because I'm actually going to make you into a great nation. There's a different purpose ahead. And I'm going to bless you. And he says, I will make your name great. I will make your name great. Do you know what this moment in Abraham's life being called to follow God comes in Genesis chapter 12. And just before it, in Genesis chapter 11, we have the story of the, what's called the Tower of Babel. And if you're familiar with the scriptures, you, you'll know this story. Some of you may be new. But basically what's happened just before we're introduced to Abraham is that all the people of the earth is, is kind of the, the, God's good creation has gone in the opposite direction. There's wickedness. There's all these things. All these people get together and they say, we're going to build a tower that stretches to the heavens. And we're going to make a name for ourselves. And what you see is that at the core of 
of kind of what's broken in humanity and the core of probably what makes us way. I want to be able to pursue, I want some property, I want something for myself. There's something in the human heart that what sin, brokenness has done, has made us think that we're going to find happiness, life, by making a name for ourselves apart from God. You know, it's so, and God scatters us. This is not good. This is not good for humanity. He scatters them. You know, isn't it great that we don't live in a world now, all these centuries later, where people are still concerned about making a name for themselves? It's just such a different world. I mean, can you imagine what that world might look like? Can you imagine, you know, it'd probably, probably be a, a lot to do with celebrity culture and people trying to, like, have online profiles to demonstrate how great their lives are. There'd be all kinds of things that you can't even imagine. But I'm just kidding. Again, we're way too close to home today. I'm sorry. Yikes, I'm just saying, I'm not, like, hang with me, hang with me, all right? Here's the thing. We as humans, we want to make a name for ourselves. That's the broken bit. It's what we go after. God says, no, no, don't you worry, Abraham, about making a name for yourself. You come follow me, and I will make your name great. I've got something for you. But the more you chase it, the less you'll find it. And the more you pursue me, the more you'll find it. You know what we have to understand if we're going to get what our true purpose in life is all about. And if we're going to get what, how pursuing God brings us in touch with our true purpose. We have to wrap our minds around this word, blessing. Notice how many times uh, you see the word blessing in just these couple verses. You know, God's talking to Abraham about what he's got for his life. He's like, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you, your name great. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to, through others, uh, through you, other people will be blessed. All nations of the world will be blessed. The word blessing means to prosper. It means to become abundant. God is literally saying to him, look, Abraham, this is what we all kind of crave. We think, I want a life of prosperity. I want abundance. There's something in us that wants to go over things. God says, listen, you come pursue me, and I will bless you. I will prosper you. I will make you become abundant. Do you know something? Blessing is at the core of what God has created us for. Do you know why we, this is what I was talking about. You know this subtle shift, this kind of brokenness? There is something in us that always pursues. We're meant to pursue. We go after things. We want more. There's, do you know why? Because when God created us, there's this Kind of tie of blessing that's kind of wired into us. Do you know when God first created human beings in, in the beginning of Genesis, the, well, the first things he says, it says he blessed them. In Genesis 1, 80, he creates people and then he says, I'll, I'm, God blessed them. That's like the first thing he does. I'm going to make them abundant. I'm going to make them prosper. I'm going to make them flourish. So know you this, there is a blessing impulse in us that God has put there. There's a desire to see prospering take place. He says, I want you to rule over this creation. God made all this stuff. I want you to look after it. And I want you, I want, I'm going to bless you and make you prosper and flourish. And I want you to look after my good creation. This is beginning to give us some clues into our true purpose. Now, the thing about this blessing impulse, so to bless, it means to prosper, to become abundant. It's why we, we sort of desire for that. But where it gets broken... Where it gets broken is we begin to pursue, we begin to pursue blessing. We begin to pursue abundance when we were intended to pursue God. And as we pursue him, 
his blessing begins to flow into our lives. And I want to I encourage you, this, this whole word, prosper, blessing. One of the great challenges, I think, for us is we, uh, it may be almost difficult for us to divorce this word prosper from, we normally, we think of prosper, prosperity. We always tie it to financial well-being in our culture. But how many people know it's possible to have plenty of wealth and you are not prospering at all? You're not flourishing. You're not becoming abundant. I watched a documentary once. Uh, it was about this family who was, I think, second or third generation of a company in the United States called General Electric. One of the biggest companies in all history. These, it was a movie about the one percenters, the less of the one percent of the one percent, the wealthiest people on planet Earth. And this kid was probably in his early 20s. And the whole reason he made this documentary was because he literally was like, our family is so messed up and we don't, no one even sees it. And so he does this documentary about him. And apparently most of his family wouldn't even talk to him afterward and all these things. And it was really this kid just trying to explore why are we so broken. They were more financially well off than you and I could ever even almost imagine. And they were not prospering in the slightest. There was not an abundance to their life. Because they, prospering flourishing, becoming all that you were meant to be is what God desires for us. But the more we try to pursue that blessing, the less we find it. When we pursue God, the more we actually get to experience it. Do you know, we come back to, you know, Genesis, God's word to, to Abraham here. And what we're beginning to see in this kind of reversal of God trying to undo some of the effects of sin with Abraham is he's trying to help him make this, this kind of shift from don't pursue making a name for yourself, don't try and pursue blessing. You go to the land, I'll show you. You pursue me, and I'm going to bless you. Can I tell you something? This is the shift that has to take place in our lives. It's to first become a people who pursue God above everything else. My life is to pursue God. That's what you're created for. That's what he made you for. And here's the incredible thing. As you do that, you will begin to find the true purpose for which you were created, which is, to not, which is not to get blessing, but to bring blessing. Abraham says, everybody's going to be blessed through you. All nations will be blessed through you. This is the beginning of God's plan unfolding to see Jesus Christ come into the world, the Son of God who will undo all the effects of sin and death and pain that exist in this world. And Abraham had this unique and special role to play in that plan. God said, it's going to be through your family that, that my son will come, that, the, that salvation will come. And so what, when he says all nations will be blessed, he's beginning to reference this reality that Abraham, your true purpose. Abraham, the thing you're most concerned about, what he was most concerned about in life, Abraham, was having a son. He, that was the thing he was thinking about all the time. From the moment we're introduced to him, he talks about how his wife could not have a son. And so they had no child. His whole life, he thinks like that's his purpose. I want to be a father. I want this. And God says, no, no, no. You have a greater purpose. You come follow me, and you're going to become part of my plan to redeem the whole world. That was Abraham's role in this. But can I tell you something? You and I, when we choose to pursue God first, we find we have a role to play and God's unfolding plan of redemption, of seeing salvation come, of bringing blessing that goes to the people around us and right out to all nations of the world.
We have a part to play in this. But for this to happen, for you and I to find our role in that requires this one shift. To no longer pursue blessing, to pursue God. And to know that now our purpose is not to get blessing, but to bring blessing. I want to give you one little picture of this this morning. It's from a commercial, and I'm always amazed when a commercial captures something in a short period of time that, that sometimes we wrestle to get our minds around it. it. You may have seen it before. It went viral, I think, a couple years ago. Uh, it comes from Thailand. And uh, just have a look at this, this little snapshot. เพราะสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักได้สิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุดในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที
you know, what is, you know, what does he get? Emotions, happiness. You know, I, I can tell you this. I don't speak Thai, but I'm sure it's actually trying to speak something deeper there. It's the best English can do to bring it across because what is it tapping into? It's tapping into a person who found the true purpose for their life. That actually, the pursuit of more for myself is not where happiness and joy and blessing are to be found, but to be a bringer of blessing. And what I love about this picture and why I think it, you know, if you had to try and picture, what does it look like to find your true purpose? It is not something you have to, like, leave your normal life for. It is not something you've got to move to another country to do. It is a whole way of saying the first pursuit of my life is to pursue God and realize that now my life exists not to gain blessing for myself but to bring blessing wherever I go. I love that this, this, the man in this video had chosen a whole different approach to what his life was about, the way he went to work, the way he rode public transport, the way he interacted with his neighbors. He knew he was there to bring blessing. We who have been given the scriptures, how much more should we realize it as we pursue God? That's what it is. And you know this too, your, your context to bring blessing into this world is not, okay, now go figure out what can you do that's giant and huge and, and how could I possibly, and I need to bring blessing and Abraham, his life, but that seems like such a bit. Your context right where God's placed you is where you are called to bring blessing. If you are, uh, if you're your workplace, the pursuit of God does not exist independently of your workplace. Within your workplace, you are called to be a bringer of blessing. That you are just a, a person who is just like when, when followers of Christ are around, it's just like that which needed water gets watered. Life springs up. It's the way we do everything we do. If God has called you, that your primary workplace is to take care of your family or to raise children. That in that place, you're a bringer of blessing. That is, a, you know, probably nothing brings more brokenness in this world than someone who has not had someone who invested blessing into them from a young age. And so when we do that, we are a bringer of blessing right where we are. When we pursue God, say, that's my good, that's my number one pursuit. And now wherever he's placed me. How do I be a bringer of blessing? It changes the way we see our work because my work is not something that I look to to bring me blessing, bring me a paycheck, bring me a hope and a future. My work is a place I look to bring blessing into the world. It changes the way we think about our family and our friendships. They don't exist to bring happiness into my life. They are a context in which I can be a bringer of God's blessing. It changes the whole purpose for which we were made. Wouldn't you love to know every day you just, you're able to pursue God and know right where he's put you. You're leading into your greatest purpose to be a bringer of blessing right where he has you. You know, this week, one of the things in this series, The Pursuit of God, we're talking about is how do we make this real and tangible in our lives, that we really are a people who pursue God first. Because my hope is not that you just have a moment of inspiration on a, on a Sunday. My hope is that it becomes a genuine pursuit you're engaged in every day of the week. The pursuit of God is not kind of relegated to one corner. It must take place fully integrated with the whole of our lives if it's going to take place at all. And so what we've been doing through this series, if you haven't been here, is saying how can we engage in practices right throughout our week that enable us to go, you know what, the water we swim in, the currents are strong. It all tries to get us to pursue a lot of different things. 
So how do we make sure that we are in tangible, real ways saying, no, no, my greatest pursuit is God. And then I want to live out his purpose for me right where I am. Last week, we took Wednesday to fast. And fasting is a, is a practice that forces us to really engage. What do I hunger and thirst for most in life? When you fast, you're confronted every moment with what do I desire more in this moment? I hope maybe you had a chance to, to try that this week if you never have before. Maybe it's something that you're wanting to make a more regular habit, routine. Maybe you want to do that again one day this week or didn't get to last week. I encourage you to think about doing that. We're reading this book called The Pursuit of God. If you haven't got that, I encourage you to grab hold of that. If you got some way to get it digital, it's only about a dollar on Kindle. It's only about a dollar online. But it's a great book that you can engage with, read. It's got prayers in it. You can pray that allow you to keep stepping into pursuing God. And this week, we're going to try a new practice. We're going to try something uh, this week. That, that, and this is a practice I kind of first saw uh, probably about 15 years ago. It's the first time I remember sort of seeing this. About 15 years ago, I got to be a, a driver for a week for a guy named Leighton Ford. Uh, Leighton Ford is a, a pastor. He's been an evangelist. He's, he's Billy Graham's brother-in-law. He started uh, mission work, pioneered stuff all around the world, started a program called Aero Leadership. Myself, lots of our pastors have been through it in Australia. It's in Ireland. Incredible kind of man of God. I've met lots of people around Perth who came to faith under, uh, you know, at, at some uh, rally he did at the Perth Entertainment Center back in the day amazing man of God. Just by being Billy Graham's brother-in-law, you know you're all right. <laughs> so I get to drive him around for a week. I'm his driver. It was the first year we lived here in Perth, and I wasn't super familiar, sadly, with the roads of Perth. And the first two times I get to drive him somewhere, I got lost, and that was pretty not a great start. <laughs> and, uh, and he didn't have mobile phones in, in those days, and it was a horse-drawn carriage. and all that. Anyway. So I'm picking him up on a Sunday, and I'm taking him to, to preach at a church. It's like, please don't get lost this time. So I, I pick him up, and it's just me and him in the van. I'm like, wow, I can't believe they're giving me like a third shot at this. And so I'm driving, and we're driving along. Like I said, I'm probably 25 or something like that. And, and so we're, we're riding along. I'm, I'm kind of just sharing with him what I think about life and ministry and some things he should probably be doing. And I'm uh, just kidding. No, that's, I, not at all. I'm just like, don't get lost, don't get lost. But we're talking, he's asking me questions, we're chatting and this kind of thing. And as he's talking, uh, an alarm goes off on his phone. And this alarm goes off and he goes, oh, Dean, do you mind if we stop? Is it okay if we stop and pray? I'm like, no, we can't. I'm just staying focused, okay, please. Let me know. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll pray. But he says, Dean, can we stop and pray? Would you mind that? Yeah, no worries. And, uh, and, and what I remember about this moment, I don't remember if he prayed more than this or if this is all that it was, but I can remember so distinctly this man, he's in his, I think, about 60s at the time. And he's one of those people you're around and you just know when you're around him, you're like, you are a godly man. And he just stops and he puts his hands out in front of him. And he says, Lord, would you take our hands? Would you make them useful for your service today? And he says to me, you know, I just set alarms like this so that I'll be reminded to stop and to pray. And the prayer that he prayed, I may have gotten some of the words wrong. I, I, don't, I, I want to be clear about that in case I got something wrong. I don't want to misquote Leighton Ford's prayer. Um, but that was the core of what stuck out to me. I believe it was a Celtic prayer. And he said, so I stop and I pray these prayers throughout the day. And I remember thinking, like, if you have to set an alarm, you who have been in 
ministry for all these years. You've like the, one of the most amazing people I've had the privilege of meeting up close at this point in my life. And you set an alarm on your phone on the way to go preach at a church to remind yourself to pray. How much more might I need that in my life? And it just, and one of the things about it is that I think I'm here. So here's my encouragement to us. This week, what we're going to experiment with, and, and, you know, and I say all that not saying every day my, my alarm's going off throughout the day, but rather there have been times in my life when I've, I've realized, like, I should do this. How do I make sure I don't get so distracted by what I'm doing that I lose sight of what is my number one pursuit, of what is greatest? And so here's our, our kind of habit, our experiment for this week. If you'd like to join us in pursuing God, on Wednesday this week, you could do it every day if you want, but we'll just try and say, hey, as, as people, let's do this on Wednesday. Let's all set an alarm five times throughout our day that reminds us to stop and to pray. And the prayers that we're going to pray come from Luke chapters 1 and 2. In, the, in Luke chapters 1 and 2, there are five prayers there. Different people pray. This is in the context of the story of Jesus coming into this world. And there are five different prayers that we're going to kind of take and appropriate for our day and our life that remind us of the big story of what God's doing. And that remind us of where our lives find their place within it. And our work and the things that we're doing throughout our days. And, and so... There's on the app, if you have our app, if you don't have the app, I encourage you to get a smartphone, download the True North app. If you don't have a smartphone and you need this, just email uh, the church this week and we'll, we'll email it to you. we got a prayer guide. And it will give you these five prayers to pray throughout the day. Uh, they come from a book called Incarnate by Michael Frost where he picks up on this cycle. And there's a whole little guide there to help you do this throughout the day. And they're simple prayers. But there's something powerful about stopping, praying these words, and allowing God to reshape our focus, to reshape our understanding of who we are right in the context of our day. And as we pray them, and, I, and here's the thing. Sometimes, uh, and some, the thing that may be new for some of you in this is praying something where you're using someone else's words. These are the words of Scripture, and we take them and make them our own. Sometimes we sort of think, well, I'm just kind of reading something or reciting something. If you just sort of read it out loud, that's one thing, and you'll find it a dry exercise. If you take those words and you make them your own in a prayer from your heart, one of the great things about these prayers is they give us words to pray. And in the praying, they reshape our own minds and own thinking because they come from the scriptures themselves. One of the first prayers at the start of your day, and probably most of us have an alarm clock, except those people who have been given the gift of early rising with no alarm clock. But imagine the alarm goes off and you start your day. The first prayer you'll see is Mary's prayer, uh, where Mary has heard the word from the angel. And, and Mary just kind of says, you know, may the, the word of the Lord be fulfilled in his servant. It's a really simple prayer. Imagine starting your day just praying, you know what, from the moment I rise, you know what, Lord, today, may your word be fulfilled in my life, your servant. And your whole day orientating, this is my day. I'm a servant of the Lord. Lord, what you have for me, may it be fulfilled today. That will begin to shape your day. 
begin to shape your pursuits. And then imagine in the midst of the busyness, and then you get to wherever your workplace is, and, and whether it's kind of, you know, looking after the kids that morning, or whether it's in an office, or whether it's, you know, on a site somewhere. Imagine a, an alarm goes off, and, and, and you take a moment, and you pull out a prayer, and you grab just a couple moments of quiet, and you, and you pray a prayer that reminds you of God's great unfolding plan in the universe. That actually... As, as busy as your day feels and as, as important as your work feels or as pressured as it is, you remind yourself that this is the story of actually all of human history. And this is where I find myself today. And Lord, may I live out in this space that bigger story you are telling. So I encourage you this week, would you join us in this? Let's make this our Wednesday, our Wednesday kind of habit and practice this week. Try it if you've never done it before. And, and look at what it's like when right throughout your day, you're intentional about saying, you know what? Of all the things I'm pursuing, number one is I'm pursuing God. And then I'm being reminded that my greatest purpose is not to seek blessing where I am, but to be a bringer of blessing in this place. Because I'm a servant of the Most High God who is bringing his good kingdom into this world and calling us to play a part in being bringers of blessing wherever we find ourselves. Can I pray for us this morning? Would you stand up? Why don't you stand up? And maybe today, if you find yourself saying, I want to step into my purpose this week, as we bow our heads, maybe once more today, just open your hands, just as a way of offering yourself to God. Lord, in this moment, we ask that, that this week we might be a people who pursue you above all else. Lord, would you stoke the hungers and thirst within that we might just hunger and thirst for you above all else. Would you give us that hunger? And Lord, as we take steps to make that pursuit real in our lives, would you meet with us in those spaces? Would you remind us of truth from your word, truth from who you are? Would you call us into, the, into that great pursuit of you? And would you show us the ways you call us to live out our greatest purpose as bringers of blessing in this world? Open our eyes. Give us vision. Help us to see our workplaces, our families, our friendships, our, our country. Help us to see our world. All these things, help us to see them as you see them, not as just the world around us does. So would you give us your vision this week? Lord, may we be a people who go out, who pursue you, and who bring your blessing wherever we go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Yeah, you can give God a shout of praise. Amen. He's so good.